Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the miracle of Maasai barefoot technology. So, Chris, let me present you with some facts, okay? Maasai barefoot technology trainers, uh, which mimic the actions of walking barefoot, they improve posture, they alleviate lower back pain, they promote weight loss, and they help firm up the buttocks, okay? Um, They're used by such luminaries as uh, Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Paris Hilton. Um, And even better, they only cost 250 quid a pair, right? Um, so my question is to you is how many pairs should I sign you up for? Yeah, so um, I, I question your use of the word facts there, but this, this does raise a very interesting question, which is what, what constitutes a, a fact? I think you're probably right in that various celebrities wear them and that various celebrities believe that they have the properties that, that, that you uh, that you're sort of stated yeah well not um, just any celebrities by the way yeah so yeah no, Paris the, Hilton yeah well quite, quite I mean perhaps you could use that as a correlate of things you shouldn't buy maybe as a okay well you see already seem down on these Nick I mean how many pairs would you like I'd, I'd definitely give them a go if you're if you're just giving them away <laughs> to, uh, no, although I can't, I'm still struggling to see why a shoe is going to mimic the action of walking barefoot more than just walking barefoot but um Maybe I've missed something in the marketing. There. Well, I think I, I think that's sort of. I mean, the thing is that it it it, it rolls. Uh, it's got a sort of a rolly type sole. But I think it's more about that's what if you want to go, you know, walking through North London, um, in your bare feet, where you just can't really. So that that's why. I don't know. It seems like I'd I'd probably rather walk down a pavement than across the African savannah. I mean, I'm less likely to tread on a scorpion or a rock or something, aren't I? Just uh, broken glass or an old kebab. Yeah. The latter of which sounds quite nice, actually. <laughs> um, okay, so so okay, so okay, it sounds like, um, Chris, that you're, you're not keen on my idea of, you know, let's all wear uh, yeah, no, MB, I, I think they're called MBT. Yeah, yeah I think it's, I think it's um, the extent to which you can provide um, empirical evidence that these things work. Now, obviously, lots of the companies that produce these types of uh, devices, implements, or other fitness fad-related bits of equipment uh, do do produce evidence, and they do, uh, they do do their own studies. But I think the thing that fascinates me is what separates um, good evidence from, from pseudoscience and how you make a, how you make a decision uh, about that, and why some areas, like uh, health and fitness just seem to be breeding grounds for lots of pseudoscience even when there is good controlled empirical evidence about the efficacy of of various uh, ways of exercising why some areas seem to be breeding grounds for for pseudoscience and some areas like you know um, open heart surgery seem to be less susceptible to uh, to pseudoscience and people taking a risk on a uh, on a fad or a celebrity endorsement 
Okay, so, well, let's try and answer that then. Why are some areas more uh, susceptible than others? We talked about how we wouldn't, you know, part, let a, a shaman or a, or, or a crystal gazer do our open heart surgery, but they might help us with some weight loss, for example. Well, What's I, the answer? I, I'm not, I think, wait a minute, we need to... Can we just... Let, I think what we're not going to discuss, we'll just assume that there are some things which are pseudoscience, right? Because okay. the whole area of, you know, what exactly pseudoscience is, it's something with a long history, but I don't think it's a very difficult thing to spot, particularly if you're looking for it. You know, you, you know what pseudoscience looks like. So we're going to kind of assume that there is such a thing as pseudoscience, and it does seem to be quite influential mm. in a lot of people's lives. <clears throat> I'm not even even sure people don't use it for open heart surgery i wonder if there are you know um hospital chapels which people will go in to to pray you know before having an operation or whatever uh, you know i'm not sure i'm not sure that actually uh it's not a million miles away from from pseudoscientific um attempts to influence your your health is it but nonetheless i, I you, you make a good point but nonetheless there are certain areas for example fitness and 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 weight loss for example that do seem to be quite susceptible to these sorts of uh activities is is it worth us exploring why that might yeah, be yeah well what i wondered what chris's theory was uh well so from my point of view uh what i think there are a number of um factors at play one is that um the messages that uh, or, or rather the what the genuine evidence does show is unpalatable to the to the market so if if the answer is actually uh you you need to do lots more exercise than you are doing and it's difficult and uncomfortable um but somebody says actually i've got some evidence that shows you just need to wear some shoes uh then then that becomes a much more appealing thing and you're more prepared to uh to believe in it um, I also think there's, you know, where the message is relatively straightforward and simple, um, there there is a tendency for people to come into that, that space, especially where there's uncertainty around the evidence, and provide certainty and specification. So they'll, you know, they'll say, so what? talk confidently about what it is you need to do, uh, and provide lots of detail and the detail itself and the confidence in itself is um is compelling and uh makes people react to it and 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 listen to it uh and also it's it's the extent to which it is um it is difficult to collect real evidence about something where there is an you know an absence of real evidence then pseudoscience will will fill fill the vacuum yeah i mean my i think the my, my first thought here was that it's to do with feedback and the extent to which we can separate um, the effects of different things. So um, with some like, something like long-term health effects, it is actually really, really hard. I mean, even, you know, from a scientific point of view to isolate what the effects of different types of thing are. Now, one of the things, for example, that we know we're very certain now that smoking is highly correlated with, um, you know, with ca uh, lung cancer. But it took a very long time to find out because, um, you know, it, it requires study of a population over a quite a long period of time uh, to spot these kinds of correlations. And the um, the correlation was spotted before the mechanism was really understood, you know, that actually people people noticed that smoking was highly correlated with lung cancer. But th there wasn't a mechanism there that that that, that took longer to to uh, to unearth. Okay. Um, so my, my feeling is that, you know, there is a there is a, you, you might expect it to thrive in areas where 
it's just harder to gather scientific evidence uh, as chris was suggesting but i think that's to do with um probably an issue to do with to do with feedback i think it's a couple of other by the way have you got a cold at the moment nick i have yes i need some i need a homeopathic remedy yeah you need some um Maasai barefoot technology trainers yeah That'll probably sort something you out. like that um so look i think there's something else i think you chaps here aleph insights uh, uh are too clever sometimes i think you're very intellectual but i think this is also to do with desirability and it's sort of what you were talking about in terms of simple solutions i think something you said something like that earlier on chris mm-hmm. is the where you see this prevalent weight loss is a good example is everyone wants or with the western diet it's a lot of overweight people people want to lose weight um in fact they really want to lose weight because they want to be beautiful um and yeah i think it's to do with the desirability of what's on offer yeah but one of the things you said was that it's it's also a simple solution so it's desirable and simple as well i think it's to do with it's not it's not simpler than just not eating cheeseburgers is it i mean that that's the easiest way to lose weight it is it is simpler than that because it doesn't require any effort on your on your behalf yeah cognitive effort i suppose yeah yeah so i think that's part of it as well these are desirable areas that we're talking about um i'm sure things like anything you know with sexual behavior as well or maybe being more sexually attractive or um yeah anything to do with the way you look what is there pseudoscience about that i don't think i think no i i think uh because it's the feedback is so immediate that there wouldn't be if i you know gave you a gave you a, a charm and told you if you wore that you would become more sexually attractive putting aside the placebo effect that you might suddenly behave more confidently Mm. um i don't think that it you know that that i could sustain that for very long as a business model because people would notice that it didn't work well there was a case sorry there was a case a couple of years ago on on tv i think it was jamie oliver or some other some doctor or something some nutritionist um was talking about how i think it was zinc um increases your sexual prowess or i'm not even quite sure what what it did um and the next day and it was something to do with, let's all, say, all you knew <laughs> is you didn't need it yeah. so you just mentally switched <laughs> off you needed the opposite a suppressant <laughs> and and i think it was let's say zinc is found in i don't know almonds for example it's not but let's say it is um and suddenly the next day tesco's well the next week tesco's reported a three thousand percent rise week on week in in so 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 that was something that was to do with sexual performance or sexual health um Anyway, I'm going slightly off track here. Uh, Chris, you wanted to say something? Um, Yeah, no, I was just going to say that um, I think, you know, potentially we are doing humanity a bit of a disservice in that uh, Nick talked earlier about placebo effects. Perhaps there is a bit of willing self-deceit going on that um, people want the placebo effect from, from whatever it is, acting more confidently or... Um, feeling feeling fitter and healthier um, and they are prepared to not scrutinize the pseudoscience too too carefully in order to to get that placebo effect um, and so there's a sort of a, a bit of self-deceit going on that if you really push somebody and you and you um, and and this comes back to you know the importance of the decision if it were uh, a, if it were immediately a matter of life and death at that point, and you ask somebody to put their faith in the level of evidence that's provided for the, those shoes, um, they would probably think twice about it. But for a less immediately um, sort of important decision, uh, they're prepared to not really scrutinise it too heavily and and gain the benefits of feeling like they're healthier or um, 
or better. I don't, I'm not sure about this. Um, I think it comes down to costs and benefits, not not necessarily one or the other. Um, and and with a lot of these things, what you're being asked to do is relatively low cost. Let's put aside the shoes for a minute, but things things like homeopathic remedies, which have been shown to be completely ineffective, and so on. Um, it doesn't hurt really unless you're doing it instead of getting you know um, radiotherapy or something it doesn't hurt and i and i feel like that's probably the 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 motivation behind a lot of these well you know things that are low level pseudoscience things like superstitions there's a kind of pascal's wager element there pascal's wager was the idea that you know actually given that what you potentially will get is a is an infinity of happiness in heaven you might as well go to church it's not you know it's not much of a not much of a of a cost. cost compared to the potential benefit and i and i think interestingly even though chris was saying you know if it was a matter of life and death well it, there are i mean you tend to find the most superstition in um in areas where there is uh, life and death involved so you think of um things like i mean you know nautical traditions which are you know heavily laden with superstition mm-hmm. um and in in the military as well, you know, there are a lot of little routines and, and things that people will go through. You know, they'll still wear their body armour. Um, and somewhere like uh, NASA, I was quite interested to find out uh, recently that even in NASA, which is, you know, pretty much a heavily scientific and technology oriented organisation, there's still a lot of little superstitious routines that they go through on the morning of a rocket launch. So mm-hmm. they all have eggs and steak for breakfast and then, then they play a game of poker until the commander loses and then they get given a cake that they're not allowed to eat and so on and all these things that obviously don't have any impact on the uh on the the uh on the fate of the mission but it, but which nevertheless people like doing and i suppose they think you know what if we didn't do it if we didn't do it and it turned out you know that the rocket blew up then we'd all feel very cross with ourselves so i guess what we're talking about here is always, as we are i mean we've talked about um one of the reasons to do with i think it was to do with the availability of data and measuring this stuff that is not always as measurable maybe is that one of the things we were saying i don't know but also as is often the case it seems to me that we're going back just to human psychology and the way we think and maybe it's not harmful if we're doing it in addition to logical stuff that we know that works um so is that it i I think the the potential danger though becomes uh to the extent at which from a psychological point of view the the extent to which not doing it creates agitation and you know um poor performance uh if if you if you build up this set of dependencies and for some reason you're not able to do them on an occasion and and you're then left in a worse situation than you would have been if you if you never engaged in those activities in the in the first place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is a downside. You, you know, I mean, largely yes, it doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't cost me anything to wave at a single magpie as I as I always do. Um, but if I if I built up a layer of sets of uh, rituals and things that increased the, the cost, and then for some reason I couldn't go through with those and crash my car as a result of anxiety, that would that would be the reverse you know the reverse mm. effect. Yeah, I've heard that another magpie thing is to hold your collar. Really? When you see a magpie until you see another one. Now that strikes me as a massive investment. <laughs> it might be months, you know. Well, it's so, actually very so dangerous. Absurd idea. As well. Yes, if you're driving exactly. along, you're, you're driving an HGV, you shouldn't be holding it, especially not with both hands. So actually, um, so let's examine this. Any superstitions here that people do? I used to do the magpie thing and saying good morning your lordship, how's your ladyship? Then I stopped doing that because I thought it was silly. 
Right. Um, but if we examine ourselves for a moment, as it, as it were, um, any superstitions stuff that we do? Uh, so um, uh, I play football and um, I have a certain order of putting my um, shin pads on. Um, because that will mean that you're safe or it, that means yeah, it's lucky I mean, you're, you're going to get it goals. hasn't actually, having broken a number of bones and torn a number of ligaments playing it's football, working. It, it doesn't seem to have um, warded off the evil spirits. But Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, like, uh, when I say goodbye to my kids when I drop them off at school... You know, I didn't. I wouldn't feel happy if I hadn't given them each a cuddle and a kiss. That's, you know, it's not because not that I believe that that has any impact. You know, but I sort of do. You know, psychologically, I kind of think I have to do that because if I didn't, you know, what would happen if you? I'd didn't? be worried. Oh, I'd be worried about them all day. Oh, okay. So I definitely give mine a kiss and a cuddle as well, but just for but that's because you like kiss doing and cuddle it. reasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, what I'm saying is I'm not sure it's totally just that. You know. Um, I think I'd be more anxious about it beyond the fact that I'd be annoyed about not having had a kiss or a cuddle. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few things. Obviously, we haven't really gone into the details of what we mean by pseudoscience, but the um, there are there, we probably ought to distinguish between things that we come up with when we when we develop superstitions. So superstitions evolve, like Chris's shin pads example. And and a lot of the things like I mean acting is another good example. It's chock full of superstitions um, because it's the same thing really. You only get one chance to get it right. Yeah. You know you've got it. so so there is a lot hanging on in a sense that sort of the the magnitude of the potential benefit. Uh, what if saying break a leg does work? What if that one in a million chance that it does work? Well, it do, it won't hurt saying it. You know, compared to the kind of um, you know deliberate trickery, so fraud. Mm. which is another it was a thing i was quite interested in when i was a kid because i did um uh i used to do quite a lot of uh magic i was quite into doing you know conjuring not mm. not not voodoo type things but you know just uh <laughs> just kind of, sort of conjuring yeah. tricks and um uh you know actually magicians were were in the forefront um of the fight against um sort of malicious pseudoscience particularly uh the one chap called james randy who i think is still alive um and uh, because they could see how easily you could fool people, mm. and and I think this touches on perhaps what's the what are the underlying psychological effects uh, when when you start seeing um, superstitions and routines and things evolve, and, and and my feeling is is that it's probably to do with our relentless search for law like behaviour in the world, which um, you, you know enables us ultimately enables us to control the world. You know, so that if we if if we discover that there's a connection between, you know, saying break a leg and the acting performance going well, um, you, you know, that then that's inclined to continue. We, we sort of, you know, we think, oh, OK, that's good. I can I can make it more likely that things will go well. And, and I and I feel I, I suspect that that's something to do with it is the fact that we're always looking for causation so that we can so that we can, um, you know, manipulate the world to our advantage. And um you know, a lot of the time, uh, you know, we, we form those beliefs in the absence of any, you know, there aren't controlled studies. So a few bits of anecdotal evidence, provided what you're being asked to do is not terribly onerous, probably are enough to motivate people to, to you know, start incorporating superstition into their everyday life. Do you think there's a reason why we're not able to um, sort of ditch those superstitions when we when we don't? believe in them any anymore you know what, what, is there any kind of uh reason in terms of um why that w why it would be a bad thing to ditch redundant 
behaviour or, or heuristics. I've got a cursed painting. What you just asked reminds me of my cursed painting. Mm. When I was in, uh, when I was about 11 or 12, I, you know, I was going through one of those kind of early teenage, kind of slightly morbid phases. And um, Were you I, I, I wasn't. No, I probably had sort of goth sympathies, but I, but I was never, I never had the sort of degree of self confidence to dress up uh, like a goth. Um, but uh, anyway, I was in the Prado in Madrid, and I saw a painting by Bruegel, which was called "The Triumph of Death," and it's just all these skeletons going around, uh, sort of herding people into horrible types of uh, dying. You know, um, ultimately a kind of memento mori to try and tell everyone, you know, this is the way you're going. Uh, eventually uh, anyway I liked it so I got a print of it put it up in my room and about a week later um, the shelves fell down in my room I mean it, you know it, <gasps> in a, exactly where I would have been sitting you know so a few weeks previously that all the shelves fell off the wall at once and um, the only thing that was still there was this painting sort of which I'd blue tacked up and I thought you know this is definitely uh, a cursed painting but I can't throw it away it's it's still downstairs in in a box next next to those shelves that have fallen down don't well they? I, yeah, yeah. I see I can't throw it away I I don't I can't put it up because then it'll bad things will happen but I can't throw it away either because then I'm convinced something even worse will happen so I'm basically let, I've, I'm kind of stuck with this painting well th- um, there we go but I think the answer is I to think... your question is uh... now the point do I believe that <laughs> no but there's a slight chance <laughs> you know there's a very slight chance uh, I, I mean uh, you know one in a billion chance that maybe there is some sort of connection <laughs> you know you can't because obviously so, particularly in our business you know you really don't want people to go around thinking they're 100 percent certain of anything yeah. um, now i really don't want this to be a license for people to think oh that's all right i can go around believing any old nonsense it still has to be based on evidence but this is all to do with fear uncertainty and desire i think that's that's i think those are the primary emotions at, at work here um we need to wrap up but just one thing i mean in terms of superstitions and and for years, I didn't iron shirts, okay? Um, because when I was uh, 17, I think, I broke my arm um, on on the same night um, that I had first ever ironed a shirt, okay? So yeah. Clearly, there was a strong connection mm. there. So for years and years... Did you years, break your arm by getting it trapped in the ironing board? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. If I had, that would have been a really solid reason, wouldn't it? But... Um, but the, uh, the other thing I remember, you know, saying, well, I don't sort of do the magpie thing anymore. But eight years ago, um, when my daughter was born in her first year, um, she was had some health issues and we were in Brazil at the time. And the only way to fix this, we were reliably told by a local witch doctor, essentially, was to do through all sorts of bizarre rituals of, and you know, five minutes later, I was holding her upside down over the front of the door, doing doing um, the sign of the cross, and we had to go and get her baptised, and all sorts of, and we had to get her exorcised, essentially. But um, we just did it, just because it was, yeah, it can't hurt. And sure know. enough, three years later, she was fine. <laughs> exactly. I, I think the, the um, no, it is, I think the, to, to me it's sort of all of this behavior is an is an epiphenomena of of that kind of underlying it, it it's, it's like the way that co- people love coincidences you know and because a coincidence is a situation in which you know some things things appear to be correlated and and the fact that it might have happened by chance doesn't really satisfy us and i think we we always want to go and find that cause of explanation mm. uh, because you know and i think ultimately that is a very uh, fundamental uh, animal thing it, you you want to learn about the environment so that you can control it mm. okay let's wrap up there 
um, it's it's good to know that the little prayer that I did just before that recording seems to have worked. Everything went all right. Nothing's gone wrong. So thank thank good thank God for that. Um, thank the flying spaghetti monster for that. Um, so thank you, chaps. Thank you as always. Um, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering podcast with Aleph Insights, with Nick Hare, and with Chris Rag. I'm Fraser McGrewer. Thank you as always. Until next time. Goodbye. And I'm off to get some zinc-rich almonds. <laughs> <laughs>